Father, thank You for the greatness of Your glory, for the opportunity to experience of Your goodness and grace. This morning I ask that as You open Your heart and Your Word to us that we would receive, Lord, for each that is here this morning, I pray that You would give understanding, that You would give direction, and You'd give discernment. So, Lord, we commit this time to You, thanking You in advance for Your goodness and thanking You for the way that You transform lives as we call upon Your name and submit and humble ourselves before You. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in primarily two passages. We'll be in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 2 Timothy chapter 1 as we talk about how to connect our children to the faith. And as we talk about this this morning, uh, again, I, I don't pretend to be an expert. I, I don't want to give the impression that I've got it all together. I am a fellow struggler with you. But I think there's some things that we can glean from the Scriptures here this morning. Paul is speaking here in the book of 2 Timothy to Timothy. As a matter of fact, if we went back and read the book of 1 Timothy, we would see that Paul even specifically addressed the book of 1 Timothy to him and called him his true child in the faith. And then he encourages Timothy's mother and grandmother here in the book of 2 Timothy, beginning in chapter 1, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience this night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers, which is a great lesson in itself for us as parents today. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I will be filled with joy. And I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. So, uh, it first started with your mother and your grandmother. We know from the book of Acts that Timothy's uh, real father was probably not a believer. But we know that his grandmother and mother actually were led to Christ by the Apostle Paul. And certainly Timothy has come into the faith. And uh, Timothy's grandmother and mother have taught him the spiritual formations of the faith, which some of which we are going to talk about today. What were the essentials that... Timothy's mother and grandmother would have communicated to him. And I'll, I'll share them with you real briefly. Uh, I can pretty much assure you that they would have communicated the Ten Commandments, the moral law uh, of the faith. Every good Jewish boy would have been taught that at an early age. They would have taught him the Shema. Hear, O hear, ears of the Lord God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And then Jesus, of course, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, then reiterates to us that that is the greatest command. So Timothy would have learned these things from his mother and from his grandmother. And then we know as we go on and read this passage that the gospel has been transmitted to Timothy. It has been communicated, and he is now a child of the faith. So we can feel pretty confident that those three things have been communicated to Timothy. The moral law has been communicated to Timothy. The great command of God, the greatest command of God has been communicated to Timothy and the gospel of Jesus Christ has been communicated to Timothy. Now, I, I 
as I suggested earlier, am, uh, have a lot to learn as a parent. Now, my wife is, is a super mother and, and great wife, and she is constantly uh, looking for opportunities uh, to communicate the faith and to communicate biblical truths uh, to our children, particularly my son Brock. And uh, it reminds me of a story. when This, this last summer, we uh, did a couple of vacations. One of them, we went to family camp in Arkansas. And because I believe that I should spare no expense for my child to have every great opportunity, uh, their second one was to grapevine. And so those were, those were our two big vacations for, for the year. And uh, when we went to Grapevine, though, my son loved it. We went to, to Great Wolf Lodge. Now, my wife and I got in there, and we looked at the room. We're going, is this all you get for the money you pay? I mean, this isn't a really nice room. But my son, on the other hand, he was thrilled because there was a bunk bed in there, and uh, they had you know animals on the wall and then a little TV with games on it. So he just thought, this is tremendous. But there was a little sign up there on the top bunk that said, you must be six years old to sleep on the top bunk. And he, oh, man. Uh, he didn't like that, but he just thought, man, this is just the greatest place ever. Now, fast forward two months to last week, and um, Allison, my wife, is teaching Brock uh, the books of the Bible, and they're going through the Bible, and they got to the New Testament, and she goes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And he repeated, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. She goes, actually, they're called the Gospel. He goes, Gospel, what is that? Uh, he's four, by the way, not 24, so just in case you're wondering. And Gospel, what is that? And he said, well, actually, Brock, the Gospel means good news good news of Jesus Christ and um, so how He came upon this earth and uh, lived a sinless life and took our sins upon Him so that uh, we might know forgiveness and died upon the cross, but uh, was placed in a grave and three days later He rose again. So it's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the story is. He said, well, that's the good news. Well, if that's the good news, what's the bad news? And she said, well, I'm not, I don't, there's not really a bad news there. It's, it's just good news. And he said, well, I'll tell you what the bad news is. The bad news is you have to be six years old to sleep on the top bunk at Great Wolf Lodge. (laughs) Isn't it amazing what they remember? But the good news of Jesus Christ is certainly one of the messages that we want to communicate to our children. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's start with the basics of things that we want to communicate to our children. Spiritual formations and how they should begin. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy is, is basically Moses' last sermon to the children of Israel. They're in Moab. They're getting ready to cross over into the Promised Land. And Moses is basically reiterating a message he's already given. Matter of fact, it means the second law or the, the copy, the, the next the next uh, copy of the law is basically what Deuteronomy means. And so he's communicating this final sermon, so to speak, to the children of Israel. And he has just in Matthew, excuse me, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, just recommunicated the Ten Commandments, uh, the moral law to them. And then he goes on and he'll share here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. I want to give you some instructions and I want you to make sure you communicate this to your children. Let's pick up in verse 4. He says right here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, he gives the great Shema. This is a prayer that uh, a good Jew would quote three times, particularly in the ancient culture, and some even still today. Hear, O hear, Israel, the Lord your God is one. Basically, that's a statement of monotheism, that there is one true God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might, with all of your strength. 
Again, Jesus later quotes this as the greatest commandment. And then He goes on to say here, as Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. The Hebrew word literally means to teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your hearts and on your gates. Remind them of the principles and of the basics of the faith. So He's just given them the Ten Commandments or reiterated again the Ten Commandments. I believe that's a great place for us to start. Our children ought to learn the moral law of God. And our Western civilization, I believe, has been heavily influenced and if not uh, completely influenced as far as our laws may, uh, to a large majority because of the Ten Commandments that were given to us and given to the Jews uh, at this time. So what are they? And, and let me qualify this. I recognize, particularly if you're going through these with young children, they're sometimes difficult. I get that. So I want to give you the Ten Commandments uh, given to you in, in kind of a little bit more of a children's version. Okay? They're still the same principles, same, same truth. Uh, we're not changing Scripture, so don't worry. Uh, don't get all worked up right here. But I want to just kind of recommunicate this to you a little bit. Uh, because I, from practical experience, I know how difficult this is when you say adultery in your chagos. So what's adultery? You know, and you're sitting here trying to have a conversation with a four or five-year-old about what adultery is. And, you know, it's like, and you're, thankfully it's going over their head uh, at this point. But let, let's go back and let's, what are some basic elements that we can communicate to children? Number one. No other gods. Explaining to them that there is one true God. One true living God. And of course, we, you probably wouldn't go into the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but there is one God. Number two, that there should be no idols. Now, what does that mean in our culture today? I mean, most of us don't have idols hanging out in our household or in our backyard. Uh, but sometimes we make idols out of material possessions, whether it be uh, cars, homes, or money. And the child begins to think, this is what's most valuable in life. And it appears as an idle type. Number three, do not misuse God's name. As opposed to saying, do not take the Lord's name in vain. That was a hard one to explain, isn't it? Uh, but do not misuse God's name. Number four, keep the Lord's day holy. I did a message on the Sabbath just a couple of weeks ago. If you want to look more at the Sabbath or study more on the Sabbath, you can refer back to that, and that's online as well. Number five, honor your parents. That's all of everybody's a parent. That's our favorite commandment. That's the one that we know. Honor your parents. Know that one, I tell you what. I mean, you can learn that one. Matter of fact, we just write it ten times and call it uh, the Great Ten if we want to. But uh, that's one we can usually kind of keep in our heads pretty straight. Do not murder. The difference between killing and murder. Uh, your old King James translation may say kill, but the more accurate translation would be not to murder, not to take life uh, for your own personal benefit. Uh, number seven, be faithful in marriage. That's the way... Uh, matter of fact, I asked some of our staff, I asked several people on this, well, how else would you say that? And uh, this was a good one Come, they came up with, was be faithful in marriage. Number eight, do not steal. Um, interesting, we were, we, I was kind of going through the gospel with, with my son here uh, about a week or two ago, and, and we were talking about, I was trying to draw the analogy of why we all need forgiveness, and there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And uh, so it's just like if you steal something, you know, you have to go to jail. The police would get you and put you in jail if you stole money. And he goes, well, that's not true. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've stolen from you, and uh, the police didn't take me. So I said, really? 
I said, yeah. I said, you, so you've stolen from mommy and daddy? No, just you. Uh, which I wanted to kind of go into that a little more, but I didn't. And so I had to go through the concept of uh, how that's still not right, even if the police don't catch you, but God sees, son, uh, when you steal from daddy. Don't lie and don't envy. That whole covet thing, that's a hard one. I know envy's still harder, hard, but at least we can make a case for helping children understand what envy is. So those are some basics. Uh, the, the very first thing that Timothy probably would have been taught was the moral law, the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. Then the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then Jesus said, and the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to talk in just a moment about what love is and give you an example of what you can do with your children to teach them what biblical love is. Then three, the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. This is a, called a wordless book. Now, you can order these online for five bucks. I don't know why you'd want to do this. And this one's just homemade. It's just construction paper. It's the wordless book. The black right here is the picture, if you're going to go through with your child, how you can kind of go through the gospel with them. And it just gives them a visual. The black is for sin. Uh, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that in Romans 3.23. So sin is anything that we've ever done wrong. When you stole from me, whatever you ever did, whether it was seen or not, any, anything that's ever happened or occurred in your life has been wrong. Uh, that's sin. And that separates us from God. But the Bible tells us in Romans 5.8, that while, uh, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated His love for us that He died for us. It's His blood. It's His sacrifice that He paid. And that's actually when Brock and I got in that conversation when I was trying to explain to him uh, why he needed forgiveness. And it's because somebody had to pay the penalty of our sin. This separates us from God. It had to be paid. It could only be paid through Christ. Romans 5, 8. The next... Uh, you could use several verses here, but let's use uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, excuse me, if you, excuse me, if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you shall be saved. You could also use John 3.16 there. Uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, we have sin, but we have sacrifice that's been made so that we might be forgiven that makes us clean. That's the white page. Next one is the gold page. And I have verses written on here. You don't have to have... The real book doesn't have any verses on there. I just went and wrote this on my own little page. Uh, but the, the next page would be gold. The gold that we are in a pure relationship now with God. You can also be symbolic of heaven using John chapter uh, 14 verses 1 through 3 that... Uh, Jesus has gone and prepared a place for us there in heaven. Uh, so we see our sin. We see the forgiveness through Christ. We see that we are cleansed by His grace and by His salvation. Then we see that heaven has been given to us. And then the blue is for baptism. Baptism. That we have trusted Christ and we're following in baptism uh, with Him according to Acts 8.12. You could also use Mark 16.16. 16, 16, but Acts 8.12 says this, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom, God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women, were baptized. So they were baptized after they believed 
And then the final page would be growth. Now I am to grow in the grace and the truth and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a passage, a blessing that I sometimes pray on my son uh, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So, we see the little wordless book there. You've got sin. You've got the blood of Christ's forgiveness, which makes us clean when we believe and confess Him as Lord, uh, which makes us pure before God, uh, which is time for us to trust and follow in baptism as a picture of that commitment that we've made, and then we are to grow in the faith. So, uh, you're welcome to come see this. matter of fact, I've got two. I might even give someone one. These are really expensive. Let me tell you, these are hard to make. Construction paper, okay? Uh, so, there's the gospel in a very simplistic word, in a, in a better, very simplistic manner. Now, we were talking about biblical love. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And many of you have heard this passage before, but I think this is a good way to teach your child the concept of biblical love, the way that God loves us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with the fourth verse. If you really want to be convicted, go through there first and put your name in there and put... You know, mommy or daddy is patient, mommy or daddy is kind, mommy or daddy doesn't envy. That's always a good conviction. Or whoever you are, you can put your name in there. Uh, but it's also good to pray over your child so they begin to understand the importance and understanding of what biblical love is opposed to the message they're going to hear out in our culture. Verse 4. Uh, we'll just use my son's name right now. And you could insert your son or your daughter's name. Brock is patient. Brock is kind. Brock does not envy, does not boast, and is not proud. Brock is not rude. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no records of wrong. Brock does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Protects. Brock protects. He trusts. He hopes. He perseveres. That's such a good blessing, such a good word, a good understanding of what love is for our children from a biblical standpoint godly love and what it looks like. I encourage you to, to consider inserting your child's name there and praying that over them from time to time, if not on a regular basis. Now, let's talk about some things that we can practically do to demonstrate that love. What are some ways that we should be loving as a parent? Well, let me give you seven real quick ones. Number one, take notice of our child. These are very simple. These are all things that you know, but just a conscious reminder. Number two, as Richie and Amy were talking about, the importance of just talking with our children, having a time where we listen. Number three, the importance of communicating truth and, and uh, being truthful to them and expecting the truth from them. Number four, togetherness. Being together. Making sure that you make times to be together that's uh, not in the midst of something else where that is your express purpose. Number five, the importance of physical touch. Number six, the importance of communicating thanksgiving to them and for thanksgiving for what all God has blessed you with. And number seven, time. There is no substitute for time, is there? Those are seven very simple ways that we can communicate love to our children. And then there are things that we can do, and I've got some of these listed. Uh, if you want, As you walk out, I've got this sermon kind of outlined for you with some opportunities of things that you can do uh, to show love actions each week or each month. Uh, everything from when there's someone sick or elderly uh, in your community or in your neighborhood or in church, um, writing little notes for them. When you go to the store and buy groceries, buying an extra can of food, and just you know once a month or ever, ever so often going to the food bank, the CCA, and giving that food. 
Uh, different little things that you can do to begin to inspire and encourage your children. Uh, something else that we've been in the process of doing is, is adopting a child through Watt World Vision, uh, a child who has lost its parents and, uh, in a country, in a war-torn country. And my son just seeing that picture on the, on the screen and recognizing, here's a little boy. matter of fact, we looked up the same day. Most, most of the time you can get the same exact age and birthday in, in identifying with a child who has a drastically different type of life than what our children would probably have. So uh, just some things that you can practically do to uh, help your child understand the love of Christ and quite frankly not become so self-absorbed as we all so often uh, struggle with. So what are the things that I want to communicate? Well, I want to communicate blessing. And before we highlight these, message, these lessons one more time, I want to give you one final blessing that I would encourage you to use to pray over your child. You know, we do number six just about every week at the conclusion of our service, but I want to give you some other verses that you can use to, to pray a blessing over your child. Maybe sometimes you don't know what to pray or what to say to your child. Here are some blessings that are going to come up on the screen here in just a moment that you can use to uh, pray over your children. You know, you may have children that are 17, 18, 19, 20, that maybe aren't even necessarily with you. These are still blessings that you can pray for your children. Uh, but I want to go to that last one right there, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. And, and let me just read this passage. It's a tremendous blessing that we can use for our family and particularly for our children. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom is the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of our glorious riches He may strengthen you with the power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I may pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled in the measure of all fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power, that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That's a blessing you can give your children each day. Something you can pray over your children each day. So what do we want to communicate our children at the very basic level? Number one, the moral law. Number two, the great commandment of Christ. And number three, the greatest gift the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the minimum that we want, to re we want to communicate to them, that they can one day say, you know what? My, my mom and dad, or my mom or my dad or my grandparents, they taught me what was right. They taught me the moral law. They taught me that the most important thing I do was love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And they taught me the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's where we want to start. And if I look back as a parent, and I've done that, at a minimum, I can feel that I have tried the best I could from a spiritual point to communicate the truth of Christ. Now, I, I want to do much more than that, but I want to start there. And it's easy for us to sometimes to just think they picked it up in church or they'll hear it somewhere else. I want to ask you to go back and look through that. And you may be saying, well, I'm a grandparent. Hey, that's a great exercise for your for grandchildren. You may say, I don't have any children. It, you know what? God will put children in your sphere, in your sphere of influence. And those are three basic things that you can teach them. Let's pray.
Father, I pray for each parent and grandparent, each one that has influence over children in this room. God, I pray that You would constantly remind us of the importance of teaching these very basic elements of the faith. Lord, I pray that You would help us to remember, to write it upon the doors of our walls and the doors of our hearts that we might be reminded that it does start with a basic understanding of what's right and wrong and our need for God and that You are the one true and living God. And Lord, that we can only know You through the grace that has been afforded afforded to us through the person of Jesus Christ. So I pray that those truths would ring forward in our hearts and our lives and that we would communicate it to our children so that they might know of Your goodness. Thank You for this time. In Your name I pray. Amen.